Hi, this is Jay Baer of Convince and Convert Consulting, and welcome to the new Content Experience Show. Content Experience is the new content marketing. It's not only about reaching audiences where they are, but engaging them with personalized, useful content that matters. On the Content Experience Show, we share strategies, tips, and real-world examples of how leaders are taking their content marketing to the next level. Now, here's your hosts, Randy Frisch from Uberflip and Anna Harak from Convince and Convert Consulting. Welcome to the Content Experience Show. I'm Randy Frisch. I've got Anna Arak joining me, and I'm really excited about the guests that we had this past week, Anna. Uh, It was a ton of fun to have our producer talk to us about how we can be more efficient as a marketing team, as a leader, as a manager, as a team member. I know both of us learned a ton this, this podcast. Oh, totally. And, you know, it's amazing. Sometimes, you know, we get so caught up as, you know, content creators, content marketers, content strategists, you know, we're so focused on the output, we don't actually take time to turn around and think about us and how we're contributing to the content experience and, you know, how we're not being our best selves. So we can't be the best for everybody else. Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, some of the stuff we'll hit on in this podcast is things like, you know, do we still want full stack marketers on our team? And we've really kind of changed at Uberflip in terms of how we think about that. Now, don't get me wrong. We love that hacky growth marketer mentality. And we love people who can dip their hands all over the place. But we're also, as we've grown, and our our marketing team's around 15 people, uh, we've kind of gone back to this idea of specializing, which it's not, I'm not going to say that that's what Jess is hitting on. But at the same time, I think her her idea is we got to focus more as marketers. Yeah, absolutely. And Jess has a ton of experience with this. So for those of you who haven't been formally introduced to Jess Ostroff, she is CEO and Director of Calm at Don't Panic Management, a group of proactive neighborly assistants who turn chaos into contentment, frustration into focus, and panic into productivity with virtual assistant and content marketing services. And she also just released her first book, Panic Proof, How the Right Virtual Assistant Can Save Your Sanity and Grow Your Business. And she is also the producer of our podcast. Amazing that with all of those things that she undertakes that she's able to talk to us about focus, right? Right. And, you know, it's it's funny, too, because you'll even hear her talk about, you know, multitasking is bad. And I don't know how she gets it all done in the day, but she does. Yeah, I think one of the big takeaways that everyone listening in will, will enjoy is the matrix model that she uses to describe prioritization and how as marketers too often we're, we're caught in the weeds. Uh, you know, we're focused on just coming in and getting everything done that we have to do every day. And it's funny, I, you know, I used to do this for myself. I and, in a very hacky way, I would write three big things I wanted to accomplish each day. And someone told me that there's something really great about crossing those out, right? You know, at the end of the day, you cross out those big three things that you accomplished that are different than your regular routine. And they only sound like three, but if you can do three a day, now just think about that. That's 15 a week over a 10 week period, just two and a half months. That's 150 items that you would have, you know, conquered. And I think those are some of the mentalities that we have to, you know, try and achieve. And we learned a lot from Jess in this podcast about how to tackle that. So why don't, without further ado, why don't we loop Jess's interview right in here. Stay tuned, buckle up, enjoy the next 25, 30 minutes with Jess Ostroff.
Jess, thank you so much for being here today. I am so excited to talk with you and Randy just about all the great stuff you have going on, all of your experience. And I think people are really going to appreciate on this episode sort of the different perspective that you bring. I'm so happy to be here. It's fun to come out from behind the the virtual curtain, if you will, (laughs) and be here with you guys. It's crazy because you've been a producer for so long. And so people, whether they know it or not, have been with you every week. Right, right. And I have jumped in last year at Connex, actually, I did a series of interviews for Randy and Tyler because they were so busy being on stage. Um, so I've, I've been a little bit in the scene, but mostly behind the scene. Well, for those listening right now, it was actually funny. We'll share what just happened, which is you're always producing this. And now we've asked you to jump into the guest position. And we were all just sitting here being like, okay, who's going to hit record on the actual podcast? And we're like, Jess, you, you got to multitask this today, which you know maybe is, is the best transition I've ever done to the actual topic, which is how do you multitask? How do you handle everything that's put on your plate, right? <laughs> I was thinking about that too. I was like, this is so efficient. And actually, that's what I would call it. I wouldn't, I'd actually try not to multitask because it's really bad for your brain. And my mom does a lot of research on this, uh, the brain in general. She teaches like a, a pre-K through third grade leadership and curriculum development program. And they always talk about how bad it is for your brain to multitask. So I try to to do less of that. But what I do focus on is being as efficient as possible with what you have, uh, the time that you have and the resources that you have and the technology that you have. And so that's one of the things that I focus on with business owners, marketers, anybody that could possibly be busy and in need of help. You know, it's really interesting that you bring up sort of your area of expertise, Jess, because I think I think one of the things that that I'm most excited about to have you on is the fact that, you know, Randy and I talked about, you know, the content experience show being a little bit broader in some ways and talking about all aspects of content. And part of the the content experience is really being your best self. And that's kind of, that's actually really what you help people do, right? Yeah. I mean, my goal, and I didn't necessarily know this when I started doing all this kind of work, but my goal now and sort of my purpose in my work is to help people live their best life, whatever that means. You know, if you're a workaholic and you love your job and you want to work 24-7, that's fine. That's what you should do. If you have a family or you have a dog or you have some other hobby and you want to be able to spend time doing that and really be able to give your focus to that as well, then that's great. And what I've noticed over the years from a lot of people is that we're doing a lot of unintentional work. And that's what I want to try to avoid. You know, processes for the sake of process, meetings for the sake of meetings. There's no reason for that anymore, especially given all the technology that's available to us and all of the resources for learning and doing things in a more efficient way. There's no reason why every day and every week of your professional life that you shouldn't come away saying, I did something important today, or I worked on something that's really great this week, or I made a difference in someone's life this week. And so that's sort of my mission and my goal in what I'm doing today. I love that messaging so much. And especially 
as content marketers and content creators and content strategists are being asked to do more and more and more and our time is being divided and, you know, uh, positions are being merged and it's so important, like you said, to just be your best self and live your best life every day. Yeah. And I mean, everything I read, every new research report that comes out about content creation and content planning and strategy and things like that, it seems like we're actually, we're required to do more, like you said, whether it's more words or more graphics, more videos, more output overall, but we're not being given more resources. So that's the challenge. We have to figure out how to do more with the same, but that, but that is possible. I think it is truly possible if we just focus on how we're managing our time and what exactly we're doing. You know, I believe that everybody has their core skill set, and a lot of times especially when we're, you know, young and we're growing into roles, we sort of become like Jack and Jill's of all trade, especially in digital marketing, because we're, we're always learning things. You know, I'm, I think about this, this podcast and the convince and convert podcast network. When Jay decided that he wanted to start social pros, he basically said, Hey, Jess, can you like figure this out? <laughs> and I had never, like, I had never set up a podcast before. I had never produced a podcast before. And at that time, you know, this was like five years ago, maybe more. Um, there wasn't a lot of documentation like there is now, you know, there wasn't like a how to create a podcast course. So I just had to Google stuff <laughs> and figure it out. And I think that's happened to a lot of us as, you know, each platform grows and evolves, we have to expand our skill sets. But at the end of the day, I don't think that all of those things are necessarily what we're best at. And I think that we need to get back to basics and figure out what we are uniquely qualified to do, what we love to do, and then get rid of everything else through automation or delegation, or just working with your team and figuring out, hey, you know, none of us are actually really good at this one thing. Maybe we have a gap here and maybe we need to figure out how to find that solution. And that's okay. I, I love that, Jess. I, I love that. That mentality of focusing what you're on what you're good at and and putting all of your attention to one thing at once. I actually often kid with my wife because I, you know, to your earlier point, none of us can multitask, but I'm I'm really bad at it. So what I always tell her is I'm like, listen, what, what you do know, because I don't try and multitask, is if I'm listening to you, I'm fully listening to you because there's no way I could be doing something else. Whereas, you know, don't even try otherwise. And I think, you know, I, I think as marketers, that mentality uh, can allow us to be so much more productive. Uh, I had shared with both of you uh, a, a post on LinkedIn, and it was actually from one of the original uh, Connex back when we were the Content Pros podcast uh, co-host, Amber Naslin, and she wrote on LinkedIn, and I'll, I'll just take a little bit of an excerpt here. And she was talking about being interviewed as a marketer, and the question she would get is, what kind of marketer are you? And she says, I used to think this was a liability when I was younger to say that, you know, to the need to say everything. Um, you know, thinking I need to collect all the skills to be qualified as a CMO. Um, but ultimately, she goes on to say that's not the trick. Um, knowing what you're good at and knowing where and how to build capability around you is what distinguishes you as a leader from a manager, right? And I think that's very aligned to what you're talking about. And, and I and I think the reason we're so excited to have this podcast today is how do we as marketers show the best parts of us and embrace those around us? I, I love that. Well, I love Amber and I love that message. And 
it's it's just it's just too easy to get caught up in the shiny and the new and unfortunately i've noticed this and you guys probably have too a lot of today's marketers don't actually have a marketing background um they have like a technology background or they're a millennial like me who grew up grew up with facebook and so they got into sort of a community management role because they were outgoing and they knew how to use the tool and then from that, maybe they've learned, you know, maybe they've learned how to do marketing and how to really um, attract the right audiences and be able to sell to them. But I don't think that, um, I think we got a little a little excited, <laughs> you know, when all of these new tools and technologies came out and everybody was doing everything. And now it, it was sort of a bubble that burst. And now we're finding that we, we do need to go back to basics and hone in on the things that we're best at because, because we have to do more of them. I mean, one of the recent studies by Orbit Media, our friend Andy Crestodina. Love Andy. Yeah, yeah. We saw him at Connex last year too. Um, and he does this blogger study and he he interviews, or I should say surveys, at least a thousand bloggers every year. A lot of times it's more than a thousand. And they talk about their different things that they do. Um, and every year it seems like the amount of time that they spend on writing goes up. But the truth is that not all marketers are great writers, right? But like maybe they're great at crafting the message or maybe they're great at um, promoting that piece of content or maybe they're great on video, you know, and they can go live and talk about whatever it is that that blog post about is about. But if you're spending, you know, six, seven, eight hours on a blog post, you have to be a good writer. And so maybe we should just have writers, so, so let me ask you this. Let me I jump in there. There was this time, and maybe it's like four years ago. Maybe I'm very stuck in 2013 right now. But uh, where, where the buzzword in terms of the type of marketers we were looking to hire was the full stack marketer. Right, like we wanted the person who could do it all. They could optimize for SEO while writing an amazing post and designing a beautiful infographic all in the same afternoon. Uh, <laughs> If you were building a team of marketers and and some of the best marketers you talk to, and you talk to a lot of them through Convince to Convert uh, and your involvement there, do you still subscribe to that idea of a full stack marketer? I love the idea that someone has a cursory understanding of all of that. And I have to say, when I interned with Jay, when I was 20 or 21, um, part of my internship was actually going and sitting with the manager from each department. So I sat with the PPC guy. I sat with the copywriting gal. Um, I sat with the analytics person and I just like sort of shadow them for a day. But, and so, and that was good for two reasons. One, I was still trying to figure out what the hell I was doing in my life, <laughs> but two, it helped me have a basic understanding of the whole wheel, right? I wasn't just in my little spoke. I was understanding what was going on around me so that when I did get more focused on sort of the writing and the copywriting part of things, I understood why that was important. So I think that that part of it is definitely valuable, but I don't think that the full stack marketer, um, 
I don't think that's necessarily the best way to, to service your team. Um, I think you're better off if you have the budget. Again, it all comes down to, you know, budget and resources. But if you can have a really good writer, a really good analytics person, someone who really understands search, you know, someone who understands paid, um, you're better off having specialists in that category. And then perhaps your manager or your CMO, you know, that person has a bigger understanding of the strategy of all of those things so that they can manage each person. But I think that you're going to get better results. You know, content and all of marketing today, it's not just about putting things out there anymore. You have to put out really, really great stuff. And I don't think you can put out great stuff when you have someone who only sort of touches the surface of everything. You know, it's it's times like these when we do these podcasts and, and somebody like you drops some amazing tips and knowledge like that, that I wish people could see me on video, literally just praising everything that you're saying, because it's, it's true. And Randy and I actually had a conversation about that recently as well, about just, you know, how important it is to get people who are so good at what they do and help them understand that. I want to talk more about this, but first we should take a quick break to get a quick word from our sponsors. But when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about how you help your team at Don't Panic Management, plus how you can help everybody else with the release of your new book. Hey, everybody, this is Jay Baer from Convince and Convert, reminding you that the Content Experience Show is sponsored by Uberflip, a cloud-based platform that helps marketers like you create personalized content experiences to showcase the content you've created. You, not IT, you can easily create engaging content hubs that your audiences will love. I use it all the time. My team uses it all the time. With Uberflip, you'll deploy content faster, accelerate your lead gen, and enable your sales team with personalized content throughout the sales cycle. Go to uberflip.com slash pros. That's uberflip.com slash pros to find out how you can show your company that the content experience matters. The show is also brought to you by my team and I at Convince and Convert Consulting. We're a digital marketing analysis firm that works with leading brands to keep their content marketing ahead of customer expectations. We work with you to plot your current content program on a five-stage maturity map and then optimize your content marketing over time to level up again and again. Find out how Convince and Convert Consulting can make your content marketing better. Visit convinceandconvert.com slash consulting. That's convinceandconvert.com slash consulting. Now, back to the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. We are here talking with Jess Ostroff, who is the CEO and Director of Calm at Don't Panic Management. Now, Jess, right before the break, we were talking about finding those T-shaped people, really you know, not having to lock ourselves into being those full-stack marketers like we talked about and how that's actually kind of a disservice. How did you take all of that amazing knowledge, finding what you're good at, really not succumbing to that superhero syndrome, and help impart that onto your team at Don't Panic Management? Well, first of all, I had to take my own advice. <laughs> my whole, Which is never easy. Right, right. My whole kind of adult career has been about telling people to ask for help. It's okay. Get out of your own way. We can do these things for you. And then of course, I'm sitting here being like, I need to work 16 hours a day and I have to do everything, send invoices and talk to every single client and yada, yada. So, for, so it was useful for me to, um, 
sort of uh, hit a wall <laughs> and realized that I couldn't do all of that. And now I think it actually is useful to go through this yourself because then you have the the firsthand experience of how to talk to other people about it. Um, but the way that I've been able to, I think, do this with my team is to really nurture what I see. So someone might come into an interview or, or send me a resume and say, I'm really good at copywriting and I'm really good at social media and I'm really good at admin and all this stuff. And when I interview them, I try to drill down more into why they think they're good at those things and what their experience has been. And it's true, especially I think when you're younger or when you're in this sort of um, you know, virtual assistant or marketing, you know, coordinator type space that you do do a lot of these different things. But I think, you know, when I ask questions like, what, tell me about a time that you really feel like you knocked it out of the park at work. And I can hear what that project was and why they think they did so well and how it made them feel. And that starts to give me an insight into what really makes them tick. You know, whether they know it or not, uh, that that question sort of tells a lot. And then on the flip side, I always ask, tell me about a time when you made a mistake or something didn't go your way. And then I can kind of see what uh, what challenges they have, either with managing their time or or reporting to a boss, or maybe there's certain types of work that they think they're good at that they're not that good at. And then I also always give them a test project. And if they are interested in multiple different disciplines, I will give them multiple test projects. And then I can judge <laughs> how good at something they really are uh, with you know rubrics that I've set up. And so of course, if I think that they're a really great writer and they hate writing, like I'm not going to force them to do that. But usually I found that the things that somebody is best at is also the thing that they enjoy the most. And so through the interview process and through giving these test projects, I think I've been able to sort of assign people in the place where they are and then nurture that skill for them. So uh, give them feedback on their work constantly. Um, you know, invite them into trainings that we're doing. We do these like lunch and learns every month or so. We also have a, a don't panic book club where we read different kinds of business books. Um, <clears throat> we allow them to let us know, like if, if they have always wanted to learn how to produce podcasts, you know, I can give them a training and a guide to, to do that. And of course, like, I'm not going to just let them do that if they are not good at it, but, <laughs> um, there is always the opportunity to learn. Um, but I think all of those things help nurture, you know, the skill that they are great at and help grow that skill. Um, I do think that there's a difference between a virtual assistant type person where they're doing, you know, multiple different things like different hours for different clients and things like that and an employee at a company. So if you're an employee, I don't necessarily think that you can be a writer, you know, solely for 40 hours a week. I do think that, um, you know, I keep going back to this example because I think good writers are so important, but I also, you know, but I also don't think that it's possible to just right, 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 right. You know, all the time, you're totally going to get burned out. Um, so sometimes, you know, there are complementary skills, um, that go with what that core, you know, that core skill set is. And I think that's okay. As long as, you know, at least half, if not 75% of your role is spent doing the things that you're best at, 
then you can do, you know, the other 25%, maybe reviewing things or maybe meeting about the strategy and whether or not your content actually landed, um, talking about your audiences, you know, all of that stuff is still important for everybody on your team to understand. Um, so I think that there's a way to integrate uh, sort of some of those like softer skills with the the hard skills. So everything that you just outlined, Jess, is exactly why. And you can ask my team. There's so many times I've said like I need a Jess, right? Like I know, I know that that Jay is, you know, as he said, Jay was able to say to you, just you know, just start start social pros. Like you know, start a podcast is going to have tons of downloads. I mean, how many downloads do you guys get? Oh my gosh, like I don't know, like around sixty. To a hundred thousand a month, I think we're at. That's insane, and and, and I mean, this podcast is a spinoff of that podcast. So there's there's so much excitement that's that's come of this, and I, I think what's even exciting for you, and I, I'm going to allow you to you know give us a plug is you you got to actually write a book with all these findings, and you know hearing you just talk over the last couple of minutes shows that you've got a framework. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about Panic Proof and and who it's designed for. Sure. I would love to, Randy. (laughs) Well, I mean, I would not have been able to write this book if I didn't, again, take my own advice and actually do what I said that I think people should do, which starts with auditing your time. Um, Last year, I was in a place where I had to let somebody go and it was really difficult. Um, I didn't know what I was going to do because this person was doing a lot of the behind the scenes, like operation stuff, Um, you know, sending invoices, dealing with the money, all the stuff that I hated doing. (laughs) You know, this was the stuff that I offloaded first when I decided that I needed help. And so having to let her go was really tough. And I kind of had sort of a come to Jesus moment where I was like, I need help. I really need help. I don't know what the future of this business is going to be. I don't even know if I'm good at this anymore. You know, I sort of had that really big self-doubt moment. And um, I hired a, a business sort of executive coach and we had a, a strategic retreat with my leadership team. And we figured out sort of what should we be focusing on? You know, I've never, I've never had a shortage of ideas, but, and I think that's common (laughs) for a lot of us creative type people, but I never really know which ones to focus on, on my business. Like, should I create a course? Should I create a podcast? Should I create a video series? You know, what should I do? Um, and all of those things were certainly options, but one of the exercises we did was called the fountain of youth. And I loved this exercise. So it's basically, um, you create a chart and you have an X axis and a Y axis, and you've got high risk and low risk on one of the axes. It doesn't really matter. And then you've got high investment and low investment on the other axis. And you basically plot each idea, and there's no bad ideas, you know, it's kind of like a brainstorming session. You plot each idea you have for your business, or, you know, you could do this for your marketing, you could do this for anything, um, based on how much risk and how much potential financial reward you're going to get from each idea. And once we had that, I was able to basically choose the thing or things that at that time would be the lowest risk and the highest possible financial reward. 
And the first one was writing the book. (laughs) I didn't have to actually invest anything except for my time to write it. And I really had nothing to lose because I was going to self-publish it. I was going to just, you know, reach out to my friends and colleagues and ask them to to read it. (laughs) And hopefully, you know, the big financial reward would not be in book sales, but it would be in potential new business and it would be in potential speaking gigs and things like that and consulting projects. So, um, once I actually saw that on the chart and saw that it is a real thing that I need to do, not just for myself, because for me, I felt like it was selfish at first. Like, well, I just want to say that I'm an author, you know, I want to do this for myself. Um, but when I thought that from a business perspective, it was actually a useful thing to do. Then I did it. And I know that, uh, Randy, especially you, you're interested in sort of this, the agile method and we use that. So we did, once we figured out, you know, that was just one part of the strategic planning session. Um, we found out a lot of our win initiatives, things that we would work on for the rest of the year among the team. And each one of us got to take a sprint. And a sprint is a very agile uh, thing. <laughs> it's, um, and we, you know, oftentimes sprints are two weeks. We did one week for each of us to start, and then we would add another week if we needed it. And basically, it was basically a week off, but it wasn't a week off because you're actually working, but all you're working on is your win initiatives, whatever they are. And of course, my win initiative was to write the book. (laughs) So I took... Go ahead. I I was going to say, I I love how you just weaved your framework into the actual writing of the book, which is just like such an amazing story to realize, to figure out how you realize the importance. And, uh, you know, you were mentioning agile. It's funny. I, I was reading an article and I was able to pull it up literally before you, you said the word agile there, because everything you were talking about was showing kind of this idea of setting prioritization. And we actually had a guest on the show, on the show last year. Uh, her name was Andrea Fryer. She's with uh, Agile Sherpa. She was great. People can, can go to, uh, to listen to that, that past episode if they missed it. And this was a, a post that she wrote on Marketing Profs just a week ago. And I, I liked it on LinkedIn and things like that. I'll read the first like sentence or two. It says, uh, you know, we content creators have a tough gig. We're not just responsible for the fun kinds of content interesting case studies and in-depth articles on fascinating topics. We also have to deal with, oh, by the way, requests all over our organization. Our days become a parade of minor requests. And I think it's exactly what you're talking about. It's how do you take all of those demands that are put on us as a marketer and how do you put a framework around prioritizing? And, and Andrea goes on to, to prioritize different ways that we can set up Agile, but it sounds like your book also has some of these recipes for how we, we tackle those big projects. Yeah, I mean, the book is more about how to um, find the things, again, that you truly love or that you're best at. And find the time to focus on those. But of course, there's going to be things that you hate to do, (laughs) but that you have to do, you know, because maybe like if you're the CEO or the CMO, and sometimes you have to take meetings that you don't want to take, but (laughs) they're part of your job. And that's what you're going to have to do. Uh, And I, my goal is to get you, you know, 85% of your time spent doing the things that you love to do. And yeah, I mean, 
I love, there are a lot of things in the agile methodology that I love. One of the other, besides the sprint weeks, I also love the standups and the sort of moving projects through uh, a checklist. I know that a lot of people use Trello for things like that. You know, so every morning you've got a big project and you, you meet together with your team for five or 10 minutes and each person gives their update. And it's basically like, what am I working on and what do I need help with? So even the agile methodology in and of itself is totally, you know, on the same wavelength as what I always is try to help people get to, because part of the framework says you have to tell everyone what you need help with. And if there's something that's a barrier to you getting the thing done that you need to get done, because, because at the end of the week or at the end of the project, there should be no excuse for why you missed a deadline or why your timeline is off. Because everyone should know as it's happening, whether there's something going on that's going to change the timeline. And I'm not saying you can't change a timeline. That's not, you know, that's, that happens. There are always things that are going to go on that, you know, get you set off course for whatever reason. But when you have these touch points and you have these standups, everyone's going to know. And that way people can jump in and help you, or you can push something back or someone who finished their part of the project can say, Hey, you know, like I know an idea that that would actually make this happen faster or whatever it is. And so, um, you know, between having that, that daily touch point through standups and having sprints where you can actually focus on hard work. I mean, speaking back to multitasking, you cannot do hard, important work if your brain is not all there. So you need to figure out a way, you know, whether it's turning off your email notifications or doing what I did, where I literally went to a cabin in the woods with no internet uh, to write my book, you know, whatever you need to do. And I think it's important that you not only know that yourself of what it is you need, but that your whole team and your manager and whoever it is knows that that's what you need and that you say to them, you know, you're asking me to do this thing. Here's what I need to be successful and get them on board with that. My team loves it when I end up on an airplane that has no Wi-Fi because they know they're getting a good blog post at the end of the day. They're like, ah, you must have been on an airplane today. That's awesome. So it's it's not just like you saving drafts of emails and then firing them all off like rapid fire when you land. Right. That's better. I'm glad that a blog post is at the end, not just 20 emails. Just, I love that sort of little tough love nugget you gave there of, you know, no excuses. And I think, you know, you give so many great frameworks in your book. Um, and by the way, it is available at panicproofbook.com. We actually didn't um, talk about the URL before, but in case anybody was wondering where to go get it, panicproofbook.com. Um, love that there's so many tips and tricks in here. If you could just leave people with your top trick to being your best self, what would it be? I wasn't prepared for this, Anna. Um, well, my rule number one is don't panic. And I think that sometimes we get in this mindset that what we're doing is so important. And it is, it is important. But as I always say to my fellow marketers, uh, nobody's going to live or die. You know, if you don't get a blog post out at, you know, 3 a.m. Eastern when it was supposed to go out or you uh, mess up a subject line in an email newsletter or, you know, you post a podcast with the wrong title or something, 
it's going to be okay. And I think that if we start to take ourselves a little less seriously, one, I think we will be able to focus on that more important work because we're not so worried about those little details. And two, we'll find ourselves a little bit happier. (laughs) And, you know, one of the things I talk about in the book is not being a bad client. Um, and because being a bad client makes everybody miserable and nobody wants to be miserable. <laughs> I think like, at the end of the day, this is this is just work. This is in our whole lives. And I know that's not exactly a business tip per se, but uh, I just think that I, I love working with you and Randy. Um, I love a lot of the people that I've dealt with uh, at Uberflip. And obviously the whole Convince and Convert team is amazing. But I think it's because while we're all really smart and really driven and motivated, we we don't take ourselves too seriously. We know that we'll, that we have each other's back and we know that no matter what, it's going to be okay. You know, we're not performing brain surgery. And so just don't panic. <laughs> I love that. Those are, those are two very strong words to leave us on. But if you have time, stick around for just another minute and we're going to ask you a couple personal questions to get to know the non-working desk, to your point. Okay, Jess. So uh, I know you so well because what people don't know is we always get to have a little chat before we start the podcast or after. Um, So I don't even know what points to kind of hit you on. So I thought we'd do it a little bit different today. And Anna and I are going to have to guess here. So you're going to deliver us. This is my kid's favorite game, just so you know. It's called Two Truths and a Lie. I'm sure a lot of people have played this before. The idea is that Jess is going to give us two really interesting true facts about her. And amid those, it could be the first, it could be the last could be the second, will be a lie. And we are going to have to decide what is the lie. On you, hit us, Jess. Okay. I used to do this at camp a lot. Um, (laughs) So uh, uh, these are going to be completely random. Okay. The first one is that one year I lived in nine different states The second one is that I once had two black eyes at the same time. And the third one is that I am an amateur trapeze artist. Oh, wow. I don't know. See, when my kids play this, they're always like, no, it was 10 states in one year. You know, like it's like that was a lie. I don't know now. Uh, Anna, do you you know Jess well enough to know the answer here? I feel, you know what? I have a hunch, but I feel like it might be not fair because I have worked with Jess for the last year. And so I'm wondering if I have like a slight edge just because I get to talk to her about random stuff. It it feels hard to get two black eyes. That's the part I'm struggling with. I feel like it's one black eye. That's my guess. I feel like it's the black eyes. I'm going to go with trapeze artist only because I follow you on social and I've never seen anything about trapeze artistry. Okay. Well, you're both wrong. And I I only lived in five states. So that was like a little sneak attack. Okay. But five five is, is drastic enough that it's not like, okay, 10. <laughs> we'll give you that. Okay, cool. Five states in one year. That's, that's a lot of, and, and those were all homes. I mean, 
Andy would argue that you don't live in a place unless you've been there for at least a year. So technically it was actually five states in like seven months, but you know, so I don't know if you want to say I lived there, quote unquote, but I, I, I did have a house. I did have a place that I yeah, I would say as long as you said to yourself, I'm going home now, yes. then you live there. And I had a mailing address. There you go. That's that's a lot of moving. Well, Jess, we learned a ton about you today, even though we've known you for so long and had you in the background, as we said, on so many of these podcasts. Thanks so much for tuning in and joining us this time on air. For everyone else who listened in and enjoyed this podcast, you can check us out at contentexperienceshow.com where all the episodes and we always have a little synopsis of each of these podcasts for you to you know, share with your team. And if you've enjoyed listening to this, subscribe to us on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Spotify, anywhere you get, even Google Play, anywhere you get your podcast, you can find the Connex content experience show. Thanks so much for tuning in. Until next time, I'm Randy Fish from Uberflip. Anna Rack has been joining us from Convince and Convert. And Jess, as always, in the background, in the front ground tonight. Take care. This is Jay Bear, and thanks for listening to the Content Experience Show. Please leave a review and subscribe on iTunes or on your favorite podcast listening app. Go to contentexperienceshow.com for a complete show archive and greatest hits. That's contentexperienceshow.com. The Content Experience Show is sponsored by Convince and Convert Consulting and by Uberflip. It's produced by my team and I at Convince and Convert. If you're interested in being a guest or a sponsor on the show, just go to convinceandconvert.com.